This is episode number 10 with Travis Rosnos. Welcome to The Marriage Show. I'm your host, Jennifer Price, international marriage interventionist and best-selling co-author of Success Breakthroughs. On this show, I provide innovative solutions for marital success by focusing on personal development and relationship transformation. Every week, I'll be talking with thought leaders from around the world and will be providing your weekly dose of wisdom so you can catapult yourselves to marital success and true life fulfillment. I ask you to love one another, encourage and support each other, and live with passion. Are you ready? Here we go. Travis Rosnos is a men's empowerment coach, helping millennial men lead and succeed in their relationships and careers. Spending 10 years working in ad tech, marketing, and men's leadership development, his facilitation draws on the connection between self-introspection, emotional intelligence skill building, and group dynamics to support men in claiming their full range of leadership and vitality. Travis, welcome to The Marriage Show. Thank you. Great to be here, Jennifer. We're happy to have you. I've been following you for a little while now, and you're doing some amazing work with men. Absolutely love what you're doing. Tell us how you came to this career. What made you start doing this work? Some moments of humility, I would say, in my mid-20s. I was in a stage where I was reading a lot of books and ingesting information as it relates to, you know, just becoming better, right? You know, leading myself in my life. However, I noticed I was cut off from a deeper part of my expression, my ability to connect on a deeper level with both men and women. And so I really was operating from a personality level primarily. Some people don't recognize that, but I became really interested in this this whole topic of like masculinity, like what, what, what does it mean? Like how is it developed? And so I just really start, I started, I did what many people do these days when we're curious about a topic and we go to Google, <laughs> go to Google. And I, and I just started ferociously Googling, you know, men's leadership and development for men and masculinity. And I came across some organizations doing, you know, real life in-person training and initiation, if you will, for men. And that really kicked me into, you know, the world of some inner work and understanding self-exploration and, um, in the presence and mentorship and leadership of other men, most of which were 10, 15 years older than I was. Beautiful. It sounds like a beautiful journey that you've been on. And I know that when we have those moments of humility and growth, it's not always easy. But I think the end result is really beautiful. And what I've learned is that personal development is not something to fear. I used to fear it because I thought that any type of growth in myself meant pain. Sometimes that's the case because if we really humble ourselves to look at our flaws and areas that we need growth in, it can be embarrassing and can be painful. But I've really come to appreciate that growth process and realize it's a lot more fun than, than it is painful. And I've really come to enjoy the journey. Would you agree? Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those, it's like a through line of in my experience where I'm so grateful. You know, I can't imagine 
I'm having a lot of opportunities and skills that I have like without, without the journey. And then at the same time, it's, it's hard. It, it has been hard for me. <laughs> Change can be hard for some people, you know? Yeah, it's definitely been hard for me at times. You know, lots of tears, <laughs> lots of tears shed, but always grateful for the outcome. Yeah, right. So as a marriage interventionist myself, I often see couples suffering in relationships because many men don't really want to talk about feelings. They don't want to deal with emotional issues. And, you know, from my perspective, there's a plethora of reasons for this. I'm interested in your perspective. Why do you think it is that we have, you know, a a whole group of men these days who shy away from talking about their feelings and dealing with any issues that involve their emotions? Yeah, I love that question. I have a strong opinion. There's two components closely linked together and it's what culture is created out of and it comes out of culture also this like socialization and and also representation and depending on what generation that you're in you know for example like if your father was you know served in the war there was definitely this as they came home you know what makes a man is you know proud and in service and not fearful. And there's, there's an aspect there. They got handed to a generation and then it's handed down a lot too. But they're, for whatever reason, so boys starting really at the age of like six or seven, although they're incredibly feminine beings, right? They're like playing and they're dancing around and they're so nice and loving. They start to socialize each other at a young age Whereas you get into the playground, and there's been a ton of studies done on this, there's been research done on this, you know, the boys will start to say, you know, stop being a girl if a boy is emoting or crying. There's a a hardening that starts to occur at a very young age. And in the homes and even in schools, there are those terms of like man up, you know, I think sports culture, Mm -hmm. right? There's a socialization that happens a lot in sports where it's a push through toughen up, right? And be a man. And those messages are, are ingrained. And so there's sort of a, there's a masking that happens. And then the other piece is the representation. So if you look to media, magazines and film, right? There is an overload of what represents a rewarded man in the world. And that is one that you know basically is extremely narcissistic, <laughs> right? Like cars and watches and six-pack abs and there's bravado and all of that. So the role model representation still to this day and has been for a long time, you know, is, is one of uh, hyper-masculine where emoting is not really a part of the equation. And the deeper piece, as I've discovered in, you know, being in, in men's leadership groups, men coming in from all different types of careers, ages 22 to 60. Uh, The common theme is really because of those two things, men actually want to be respected and trusted deeply by men, by other men. And so there's this hidden rule book and hidden fear of if I show what seems to be feminine or something that equals emoting or emotion, that I'll be respected and loved less from other men. That's so fascinating because, so what I'm hearing you say is that, and I'm going to get clear on this and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you're saying that men are more 
when you think about your own masculinity, you're more worried about what other men think of you than you are women when it, when it comes to masculinity. And it's yes. really interesting because we women, we really get dressed up, you know, when we get dressed up, gussied up in hair and makeup and a sexy dress and we're going out at night on the town. You know, many professionals and many studies show that women really get dressed up for other women and for ourselves and not so much for men. And and that's one of the things I'm always telling my clients is get dressed up for your husband, not for other women. Get dressed up for your partner. <laughs> so it seems like seems like women kind of do the same thing as men, but in an opposite opposite way, you know, concerning the way we, we get dressed up instead of masculinity. But that's really interesting, really interesting. So with all of that being said so far, Travis, tell us what masculinity looks like. What, it, what does it mean? What does it represent to you? So a man's relationship to masculinity is is really just the deeper understanding and relating to himself and in how the world perceives that interconnection from him. Okay. And that might seem broad, and but that's because I don't want to go to telling you what toxic masculinity might mean or what healthy masculinity might mean. And I think a lot of there's a lot of discussion out there on it, but when we look at language and lam- and labeling things, that's where things tend to be yeah, it just it ends up being boxed in ways. So, but on on the basis, it's just a man's relationship to himself with a deep understanding that he's perceived a certain way based on that relationship to himself. So when the world describes masculinity, you know, as being strength, courage, integrity, standing up for what's right, protecting those who need defended, being a strong leader, are those all qualities that you would say fit into that box that you're talking about? They're opportunistic qualities for a man who is in constant exploration of his own masculinity. Mm -hmm. It's an inner directed exploration. Interesting. I learned so much from you always. (laughs) What is the common denominator around most of the issues that men face in relating on a deeper level? Like just to be clear, you know, I'm a single male, (laughs) you know, and I'm not, I'm not married. I'm surrounded a lot by a lot of married men, you know, in some of my men's training, some of my clients. And I mean, a lot of too, a lot of what I've learned from my teacher and practitioner, which who's John Wineland, very well-known practitioner in the world of men's leadership and couples relating and intimacy and all of that. And it comes down to a lot in terms of like practicing and getting better and really like harnessing some skills is like to be more trustable what are the qualities and what are the things to say? What are the things to do? What are the ways of showing up that a man can trust himself fully in leading the relationship? And he's also perceived as being trustworthy. And if you're not trustworthy or trustable, that holds you back. Yeah, that makes so much sense because when I'm working with my couples, and this is a theme that I see, when I have couples who are really struggling and I talk to the wife and she says to me that, her husband doesn't really seem that masculine anymore. And I'll ask her, you know, why? Why why does she think that? And it always comes down to the fact that he doesn't make her feel safe and secure. And we'll dig a little deeper and I'll ask why she doesn't feel safe and secure. And it always goes back to trust. She'll say something like, you know, he doesn't always honor his word. He says he's going to do something and he doesn't. So it seems to always come back to trust, which I believe definitely is intertwined with integrity as well. But mm-hmm. but interesting you say that because, yeah, a lot of it does come down to trust. And it seems like in relationships, if a man is trustworthy, then 
his wife, his partner, naturally feels safe and secure in the relationship. Really interesting you say that. What is your advice for a woman in a relationship with a man who is not opening up and he's not talking, he's not dealing with those difficult issues? What's your advice for her? How does she handle this? How does she go about relating to him in such a way that he will want to open up and talk and dive into some of these more difficult issues? On the communication level, there is you know, the openness of, you know, when you do X or show up in this way, I really trust you. I trust you more. On the other side is when this, when you do this or when this happens, you know, I trust you less. Yeah. And to trust you more, I really would need you to do X. Okay. So that's, that's a quick like communication exercise. The other thing is it's hard to go to a man and be like, you need to change. (laughs) That doesn't go over very well, does it? Yeah. So you know, it's almost like the approach of finding videos on YouTube or finding things out there. And a woman needs to show the man how those philosophies make her feel. Like she lights up and she gets excited because she sees, a, you know, my teacher says half of his clients come from women who will watch his videos on YouTube and like kind of get excited and giddy and they show the husband and the husband sees like, wow, she's like really lit up by this guy who's helping men become more grounded and trustable and in integrity. Maybe I should, maybe I should like, maybe I should follow this guy, (laughs) Mm. (laughs) you know, but she has to show him and be excited about it. And, you know, there's meeting him logically on the conversation, but there's no guarantees there. (laughs) Yeah. So, so for a woman who's having trouble, instead of saying, I would like to see you make this change, or I really need you to do this or that, it's better to bring her emotions, not his, but her emotions into it. And if she can find a way to tie it back to trust and safety and security, like, I trust you, I feel more safe and secure when you do this or say this versus others, that's, that's what's going to get his attention. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Gosh. What can partners do to encourage a man to either want or at least be willing to grow in his masculinity and his maturity? Men grow through challenge. So... I think there is an essence of challenging him too. That's one way. I mean, I really think challenging a man without throwing stuff on him. So doing that in an artful way, that's one way to motivate. So when you mentioned challenge, I think this is there's a very fine line between a woman challenging a man and then being, you know, tapping more into the masculine characteristics where she's being aggressive and a little mm-hmm. too forward. So where is that fine line? How can a woman, you just said she can challenge him in an artful way. So can you describe that? Because there's a lot of women out there, including myself, who would say, oh, okay, I need to challenge a man more. So let me just stand up to him and say, you know what, babe, you need to, let's let's do this, this, and this, and, and really push him and challenge him. From my experience in life and what I've seen in couples, when a woman stands up and tries to challenge her man, many times he backs down because I believe that it's really not in a man's innate nature, you know, to rise up against a woman because now he feels like he's fighting the very being that he's supposed to protect, right? And so what is this artful way? Because we women really want to know. <laughs> I mean, if he has friends, there's, there's that too. It becomes really complex with this because quite honestly, the motivation has got to come from him mostly. And so I don't know if it's necessarily a problem that women should be trying to solve. Hmm. 
I mean, I have a lot of friends too, where the relationships haven't worked out. And, you know, the, the woman comes to find out like the guy just never invested in himself. And quite honestly, just when things got tough, just couldn't be there and just bailed. Mm-hmm. And so the level of maturity, the first stage of it is taking responsibility for the culture that he's created. And that's not her job. That's his job. So there's some things to try, but I'm opening to the possibility where it might not be a problem that a woman should try to solve because if a man's not invested to change the culture of a relationship, is that the right man? Mm -hmm. And if you ask me, like, is it? I would say no, but that's my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I've heard you say in the past that women can show through their body, you know, not, not necessarily being sexually turned on, but she can show through her body you know, that she's turned on by an idea of him working on himself. Can you expand on that a little? It actually potentially is sexually turned on. So the woman being in her feminine is like ecstatic dance or moving her body in a way where she feels connected to a divine movement. Hmm. That's why you have tons of communities and tons of organizations where, you know, women will just do ecstatic dance and free movement to connect to that. And, And a man responds to that. Okay. So, so when a man does something that she appreciates, she should show him through that femininity and through that playfulness and, Correct. and through her body. Oh, Correct. Really interesting. Love it. That's a polarity approach. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's a little bit deeper and it's a little bit more advanced. So it really depends on where people are. <laughs> but conceptually, mm-hmm. you know, you have stillness and the vastness of a moment, which is you know, essentially the structure of a moment, which is the masculine and anything that moves in that moment, which is the feminine, that's polarity. Mm -hmm. So it would make sense where a man would be in, if he's in his masculine. Now, if a man is arguing or yelling or moving a lot and he's not attached to stillness, then he's in his feminine. So he might not actually feel or see or be able to connect to that feminine part. She's, she's showing or advancing. Mm. What is one trait? And let's narrow it down to one because I know a lot of listeners, you know, male or female that are listening can become overwhelmed at the thought of making so many different changes in their life at one time. So if you had to narrow it down, what is one trait that a man can refine that will shift the way he relates in a positive way? Yeah, it's it's becoming more trustable. Okay. Let's talk about parenting for just a minute. How can parents raise young men who are emotionally intelligent and mature? You know, this begins really early. Like we start to mirror our parents, you know, and learn about emotions really early on. And so the first way is to become extremely emotionally aware yourself as a parent, being able to express yourself emotionally, be able to, you know, stay calm in stressful events. But model the behavior for younger kids. And so you have to be curious about emotions. You have to treat them as, you know, opportunities to understand yourself more. So it's, it's about modeling it. There is a teaching the emotions too, but I think modeling it is a really good place to start. And so what do you say to men who have this belief or this attitude and they say, oh, well, I don't, I don't want to be too emotional for my son, Johnny, because he's five and he's watching me and I don't want him to be a sissy. So I can't really, I can't really show a lot of emotion. What do you, what do you say to somebody like that? I haven't really been faced with that situation specifically. I don't want to give a solid answer of this is exactly how it goes, but that's a story, right? 
a conditioned society-based story Mm -hmm. that you're weak if you do that. So given that that's a risk, I think if you're a man, you have to maybe consider that that's not the case, (laughs) right? So there are a lot of organizations out there that go into young to schools and go to young men and basically say, it is okay to cry. And that's the approach and just create the safe space to do that. Yeah. I think transparency and vulnerability in a father is really beautiful, especially for not just young boys, but their daughters to see as well. For any men out there listening, if this is your belief that you can't be emotional, vulnerable, transparent with your children because you don't want, especially your sons to be you know, to be pansies or, or to be weak, I would encourage you to get in Travis's men's group and learn really how to be vulnerable and transparent so that your sons will grow up to be truly strong and masculine. And so that would be my advice. Go to Travis and get in his group. <laughs> it's really hard, right? Because the stories that men will tell themselves around emotions and why, you know, you're a pansy if you cry and all of that this stuff, that runs really deep. Men are convinced that that's the case because, again, they've been socialized since the age of six years old, and it's been reinforced through media over generations. And so it is like, oh, prove it to me that that means I'm more of a man or more strong or courageous. And that's why it's really hard. For example, you know, a lot of the work I've done in men's leadership training groups and you know, initiation groups and all of that, I'm the youngest by 10 or 15 years. And that's really sad to me. That's why I started to do what I do because you have men that get to 45 and 50, they're on their second and third marriage and they still don't understand why they can't emotionally connect with their partner. Mm. So if you want a reason, like that's the reason why. <laughs> emotions are constantly happening. We experience like I think a, a thousand of them a day or something. And so it's no different than language and it's no different than our thoughts and beliefs. Like it's part of the entire equation. And so coming at this logically is like if you want to figure out the puzzle, you know, the puzzling requires you to be curious about a part of that equation, which, which is emotions. It's unfortunate because I think things are changing a lot, but, you know, I, I'm just sensing the, uh, at least in my, again, in my experience, I know there is variance to this, but a lot of the men coming into this groups where they're like, well, I thought there was three emotions, you know, it was anger, rage, and this other one, or maybe a catch-all. <laughs> uh-huh. There's also like a lethargic experience where you don't feel much. It's just also because you haven't explored any emotion. And so your, your body-mind connection literally doesn't have access to the range of emotions. You're numb. You're numb to it. Yeah, you're numb to it. And that starts with the body. You have to literally be present to what's going on to it. And it's a muscle. But the unfortunate thing is like, I've seen so many men like being like, well, I got to dig myself out of this hole now. Like, I wish I would have started this stuff earlier. I wish there was more access at scale. I wish education you know, I wish in every high school there was some sort of, you know, like emotional awareness type of education. I think our world would be better, a lot better for it. <laughs> well, I nominate you to get that started. I'll I'll help you with <laughs> yeah, I'll help you with it. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's like not like that's a big task or anything. <laughs> right, right. Just in, in your spare time. <laughs> Do you think that purpose plays into any of this? Because I just read a really great book on purpose, specifically a man's purpose in life. And it really opened my eyes. You know, I, I've been in this marriage professional space for, for several years, thought that I had read it all and learned it all. And this book really opened my eyes to the importance of purpose in a man's life. And it seems like for many men, 
life is really daunting if they don't know what their purpose is. And it also seems like many men are discovering their life purpose later in life, you know, up in their 40s and sometimes even 50s, and then have a lot of regret that they didn't stop and try to figure this out earlier on in their 20s or late 20s, early 30s. And this book says that if a man is not living his purpose, he's really not going to know himself. He's not going to experience a lot of life passion in any area of his life, really, not true passion and not true fulfillment. So do you agree all of, with all of this? And what is your advice for a man who hasn't discovered his purpose yet? Yeah, and I th- I, that, was a big, that was a big motivator for me too to change gears a little bit. And to be clear, I think to be on purpose or to feel one is living a purposeful or meaningful life, I think there might be a trap a little bit where somebody might think they have to save the world or build a, you know, a new school in Africa or some, something crazy and big, you know, or it's not worthy enough to feel like a purpose in life. And that's not true. And then on the, on the other hand is, you know, I also had a sort of, I, I would say negative relationship to, you know, being in a corporate path and being like, you know, there's no purpose in this, there's no meaning in this. I've been finding a dead end in that. And that was my daunting experience. But quite honestly, I think it comes down to the language. I don't think men have appropriate language for what purpose is. And this may sound cliche and cheesy, but it comes back to that line. This is where I'm landing at least at 30 and doing a lot of work on this over the last five, six years is, you know, the people will never remember what you said to them, but they'll remember how you made them feel. And so if your purpose is simply just leave somebody better off than the way you found them that day, if it's a stranger and you know that meaning and you know the language, however it is that you can paint it in your life that aligns with your core skills, your talents, and what, what is passion for you, I think it's just a focus of putting language to how you want to make people feel. And so the job or the project or the whatever is less important. I feel like you just dropped a massive wisdom bomb on us right there. That's beautiful. I think there's no right and wrong in this game. And my goal would be to for myself and just for others is, is try to set us all up to win versus you got to find something that does something where you're trying to check the box. And if you can't get to check in that box, then it's a failure. But we live in an emotionally experienced world as humans, right? So how do you create your own language around how do I want to make people feel on a day-to-day? And that means you got to be really, really in tune with your own emotions to be able to make that happen. So what I think is like, okay, this game of finding your purpose and finding that language and trying it on and then trying a new one on and figuring it out, that North Star, is just get emotionally aware. Feel your feelings, figure them out, label them, understand them, just go on that emotional self-awareness and discovery journey. And Because and, I don't know if purpose can be defined before you do that, because you might just be leading yourself to kind of a dead, a dead end, you know? Yeah. So how does a person go about doing that? Is it meditation, slowing down? How do you become emotionally tuned into yourself and then how you're making others feel? It is slowing down. I think the busyness of the mind and our, the busyness of our culture, that's a big reason why we aren't as emotionally in tune or some of us might not be. Because if you're associated with your thoughts and you're busy, you're actually not in tune with your feeling body, right? So there's like a downshifting that needs to happen. And if you come across people in work or there's parts of 
the relationship, you know, your partner, there's triggers where you feel like you just want to bail. You don't want to be around it. You're really frustrated. You have to really figure out what those triggers are. You know, like for example, for a while in my twenties, I would get really triggered and angry when like a personal trainer, a male, like overly aggressive, hyper-masculine trainer would kind of like yell at me to like push through an exercise in a group fitness program. And I always judged that like, oh, he's like kind of, he likes the power, you know, to like go up to other men and kind of like yell at them a little. Right. And so I had to explore that. I had to explore that. And it was just, it was just anger that I wasn't really honoring. And so just like finding that and labeling it and being with it. And like, it's kind of a messy process, but that's, (laughs) (laughs) that's what it goes. That's what it involves. So really you have to slow down enough to almost be hyper-focused on the present moment. So when you hear people say, just be present, it seems like that is definitely an element of it. You really do have to slow down and, and focus on the exact moment that you're living in and not projecting into the future and planning 15 or 20 minutes ahead, but just stopping and focusing on what is in front of you, what you're experiencing in the moment. So I know that you work with men that are like ages 25 to 35. Is that correct? Mostly, yeah. Mostly, yeah. What is the biggest opportunity for men in that age group, 25 to 35, if they are single and they're not doing what they love for work? Because I know that you've lived this and, and you have remedied it for yourself. So what is that opportunity for that age group? It's good news because you can really spend the time being alone and like finding that passion, refining your skills, you know, your leadership skills. Be cool with like being alone and like not needing a relationship, not needing attention from the romantic someone. For a while, like, you know, I kind of was like, oh, I want a girlfriend, like, you know, and I had to kind of drop that and realize, well, if I come from that place, like I really want to be with somebody to like fill this need, like it's not going to go very well. Hmm. I can't lead. You can't lead her if you can't lead yourself. Yeah. I mean, I noticed that, I mean, I was in a sales career and if I would show up to a meeting, like needing the sale, like it's like, it's like repellent. Now you kind of got to just be like so solid and it doesn't matter what I do or say, like I can be fulfilled just like I can die right now and I'm like, I'm good. Hmm. And, and so you have to practice getting to that place and it's hard. It's, it's hard, but the payoff is really big because then you can really notice like, oh, you're dating. And then you, when you're dating, you really start to notice like, we're not really dependent on each other. And I notice that and I feel that and we're taking it slow and I don't need to hop into anything and then regret it. And it's just, yeah, if you're single and you're, and even if you're in your forties, but like if you're single and you haven't refined some of these bigger things, like go work on those things, but you know, before you focus on a relationship. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to feel lonely at times. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to wish for that at times. It just means that you're not in need of it to fulfill a void. Yeah. So how did you do it? Because a lot of people are afraid of spending time alone. I've even heard young men say, you know, when they're at home at night by themselves, they cannot sit in silence because it's just the places that their minds go. It's too painful. So they have to have one, you know, radio. They have to listen to music. Uh, At the very least, they're going to have like a ball game on and some kind of noise because silence is painful. And Mother Teresa said, you know, she said everyone needs to spend time in silence every single day. So what do you say to people who find silence painful? How can they ease themselves into it so that it becomes a healthy practice? Yeah, I have clients that have that too. Well, 
you know, meditation is great. I mean, I think what a lot of men struggle with too is, is like the TV and the video games and pornography and all of these distractions that help numb the experience. And unfortunately, you don't become highly intuitive in that deeper connection, like this deeper peace until all that shit goes away. Mm. I sold my TV two years ago. Good for you. You know, I... I'm not the guy that goes out into the woods and sits there for four days. You know, I have those friends. You're not going to find me doing that, (laughs) you know, but it was like, get rid of the distractions as much as possible. Like screens, you know, we already live in a screen infiltrated world. It's like, you know, you've got to set the, the container for, because what it is. And again, I'll refer back to my teacher. I mean, I've gotten a lot of teachings from John Wineland and I want to give him credit, you know, obviously it's, men that need to be fed by like the feminine, if they're not getting it in a healthy, like from, from like nature, they'll want it from like screens and women in a non-healthy way. You know? So, I mean, for example, I'm a Wim Hof method instructor. If you don't know the method, you can Google it, but it, you know, it's basically a yoga certification that involves breathing and getting in ice cold water. Yeah. I saw him live twice and he is yeah. amazing, yeah. amazing, remarkable. Yeah. Crazy guy, right? You know, the, the research is backed up though. It supports nervous system strength, all of this stuff. So what I'm talking about though is, okay, something like a cold shower or an ice bath once a week, that, that is feeding yourself from, that's nourishing yourself from like the feminine in a natural way hmm. versus like needing it to be from a movie or a video game or an actual woman or even another man in, a, in the sense of like sexual release or whatever. You know, I mean, that's why they say a lot too. Like there's a lot of, you know, men that will go, you know, on hikes and in the woods and all of that stuff. It's being able to be nourished in a way where then you're not like needing it from a distracted, a distracted source. Let's talk about that for just a second, because you just said that that's feeding yourself, you know, in a feminine way that's healthy. And that kind of shocked me a little bit because the idea, and I, I've done this, the idea of a cold shower or an ice cold bath does not seem like a feminine thing to me. As a female, it seems like a very masculine thing because it really, you know, going back to kind of modern day language, it's like, all right, man up, put on your big girl panties and get in that cold bath or get in that cold shower. It seems like you have to have a certain mental toughness about you to be able to put yourself through something like that and to be able to rise up to that seems like it's more of a masculine characteristic, a masculine strength. So why did you describe that as being feminine? So when the words are tossed around, remember that they can land on different levels of our experience. Okay. So when I say feminine, somebody might ingest that as a thought process of feminine, voice, movement, trait or way of being. And then there's society level stuff of feminine, like, oh, it's, it's soft and it's loving and all that. What I'm saying is nature is inherently feminine, right? The, the more simple way to look at all of this stuff where that way you're not like, you're not like playing whack-a-mole with what is or not feminine and masculine, because that's what everybody always does. It's like everybody's playing whack-a-mole with it. And that's why it's so confusing. Mm. Masculine is the stillness and structure that doesn't change in our environment and in our world. Mm. Everything that moves and changes is feminine. So that means the things that happen in life that are movement money is feminine because it like it comes and goes. Okay. The ultimate masculine is like death because death doesn't change. That's like consistent, right? Life is moving. 
you know, the water, water is moving. Like the, that's why nature is really inherently feminine. I mean, it's life, it's like blooming, it's moving. And I know that's really high level and it can seem really esoteric, but it also does simplify some things. So we're not playing whack-a-mole on like traits or like thought processes of like what we think to be as masculine and what's not masculine, you know, because again, it plays into the idea of polarity. We're on a planet that's polarity planet, right? Positive, positive and negative. Mm-hmm. And so just to answer your question, like a cold shower, like there's part of it that's feminine, part of it that's not. You have water that's moving over. You might have a soft softening of, you know, you might move a little bit, like that's feminine part of the experience. And then you might have some stillness in your mind or like, you know, a connection to like a deeper part of you that's like still and calm. And that would be like some, that would be a part of you in that experience that's in your masculine. When you work with your men, your clients, are you talking a lot about polarity in relationships and other areas of life? Yeah, I don't teach or coach polarity as much. I mean, I'm referring to it now. I understand it conceptually. It's quite complex to, to really teach it. And teaching it, you know, is really helpful to be like in a co-ed workshop. You know, if you're wanting to like practice what polarity feels like in a room with men and women in a non-sexual way, by the way, it's, it's simply just energy. Mm-hmm. My teacher does that. And there are a lot of workshopping communities that do that. I certainly don't teach that. It's a little bit more of a deeper teaching. I guess maybe it's above my pay grade. <laughs> I don't know. You, you seem very well versed in it. It's something I work with a lot with my clients and yeah. you certainly have a better understanding than most people I, I speak with. So I think you're much further along than you realize. Oh, thank you. I really, I want to commend you. You're 30 years old and I'm really impressed with you. And I know that the journey hasn't been easy for you. I know you've done a lot of personal development work in yourself thank and it's very, very evident. Thank you. You have a maturity and a wisdom that most men at age 50 are struggling, <laughs> are struggling to achieve. So I really commend you on that. Thank you for saying that. I, I like absolutely adore you for saying that. I appreciate that. And I will tell you, I mean, if there's any woman or man out there listening to this, is imagine a very immature, not wanting to take responsibility, sort of like a flaky, arrogant, cocky individual just three years ago, and then pushing him through a system of being surrounded by men mm-hmm. that are 10 to 15 years older than him to refine what he thinks is important, his values, his purpose in life, how he communicates and what his presence is. And then this is what you get three years later. Yeah. So I said, why anybody would join a men's group or why, you know, it's that reason. Because <laughs> you're, you're putting yourself, we mirror the, the mindsets and the behaviors we spend time with. And it's not that those men have everything figured out, but they have more life experience and then they give you feedback and you're just, you're hacking the process. Mm-hmm. How long did it take you to go? Because I know you said you started this journey three years ago. You've been doing this beautiful work for quite a while. So I know it hasn't taken you. And I, and I realize that it's an ongoing process that's going yeah. to occur until the day you die. But yeah. the bulk of your growth, the bulk of that transformation that it took to get you from where you were, the cocky, arrogant, mm-hmm. immature, to you know the, the very wise and very grounded and very mature man that you are now, the bulk of that work took you how long? What, a year? Two years. Two years. Okay. Are you being very humble in that answer? Because from what I've seen looking at your website, studying you, listening to you, it seems like the transformation was maybe 
the bulk of it was a lot faster, maybe like a year. And then the, the second year of it was just refining certain things. Yeah. But yeah, you, you might be right on that. There's, it's hard to, it's hard to know, I guess, where, <laughs> where, it start, where it starts and ends. And by the way, there's an organization called the Mankind Project. So men can certainly look into that and women can send the link to their male friends or, you know, whatever. That's another thing I didn't bring up is I think even outside of romantic partnerships, the women listening to this, if they have male friends who they think could really level up, I think coming from a female friend, men really, if they're good friends and it's a good relationship, men really respect the opinion and perspective from a female friend. And so that is one way outside of feeling emasculated if it's coming from their romantic partner. But the Mankind Project offers more of like the weekend initiation experience, you know, where you're in the woods and you're, you're going through a lot of like different processes and, you know, it's quite the experience, but that really kickstarted it for me. And then I got involved with the, the deeper, like year long programs to refine a lot of some of what I went through. And that was, you know, a couple of years of constant refinement. Well, it's worked. It's worked. I really, I know we've had several conversations before today and I always enjoy talking to you because there's you. you do have this really beautiful groundedness to you and maturity and wisdom, and it's really refreshing and beautiful for me as a woman to see that in a younger man in his 30s because, like I said, it's kind of rare. So tell us a little bit about your work specifically with your clients and the men that you are mentoring and guiding. How do you lead men into living in this state of integrity and maturity? I do one-on-one and then some group trainings. And it's about just getting brutally honest. Yeah, it's like, um, how can you take this like warrior energy, like this fighting and achieving energy and, and direct it towards looking inward and really getting honest, like where am I sloppy? Where am I just like not, where am I self-absorbed? And where am I not showing up? So it's a process of becoming really aware of all those things and just being really, really humble about it. You know, it's like you have to surrender to the idea of like feeling into all your flaws or your shortcomings. Like there's brilliance in that, you know, and then creating the space to work on that stuff and getting feedback on that stuff and giving other people feedback on that. And I mean, I think if you can give other people feedback, you start to see those things in yourself and it's a sort of like a dual process. And then there is the more physicality piece, you know? I mean, this process really is to be more in tune with your emotions, you know, like yoga helps, like opening your body. Men have very tight bodies. Their solar plexus and their chest, you know, so breathing, breath work. I'm essentially a licensed breath work practitioner in some way, shape or form, I suppose. And so there's a lot of breath work and a lot of meditation and a lot of things that help a man physically become more in tune with his experience. and that opens up a lot of opportunities and connecting to that stillness where good leadership and intuition comes from. And the feelings start to pop up, you know, and they start to become more, but it's a process. You know, I was like a lot of men, you know, hit the gym and the weights and all of that for a long, long, long time with not a lot of feeling involved. So it took me a good year of, you know, ice baths and breathing and like trying to figure out what am I feeling in the moment? And for a long time, like I just didn't know. I had no emotional literacy at all. It took me eight months to be like, I actually know I'm feeling something right now. I'm feeling, you know, because I was just really tight, you know, really like just shelled over. So there is a physicality, which is an opportunity for men because men like the challenge and they like physicality stuff. 
So to become more in tune or become more emotionally aware, blah, blah, like I actually would say it's almost three-fourths like a physicality challenge. Wow. Yeah, which is it's good news. Is actually really good news. We don't have to like sit down and talk therapy all day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lay down on my sofa and tell me how you feel. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's actually not that. It's, you know, there's a lot of kundalini yoga and all this. I mean, I have probably a hundred different breath exercises <laughs> from my teacher and previous teachers that help men to, to open up physically. It's just consistency then in that, you know, and practicing that stuff. And that's a lot of what this like men's group is or men, men's coaching and all of that. Yeah. I think maybe the two hardest steps in this whole process for men would be number one, making the decision to stand up and do something about this. The decision to join a yeah. men's group, the decision yeah. to work with someone like you, just making that decision because again, yes. society yes. tells us that for a man to reach out to get help in any way, it is emasculating and it means you're right. weak and it means that you're a sissy and it's just not the case. Then for any men listening who have not taken this step, for those who have, I commend you, it's sexy. But for those who have not, I want you to know from a female perspective, that there is nothing more beautiful to a woman, nothing more intriguing and more attractive than when we see a man rise up and do whatever it takes for him to be the best man that he can be. And if that is joining a men's group and having men's fellowship and working with someone or whether it's quietly working in the privacy of your own home on your own integrity right. and your strength. But right. I have to tell you from the female perspective, it is beautiful. It is attractive. It is downright sexy to see a man rise up and just come into manhood fully and to care about his integrity and to care about being a leader and to care about his emotions. And the whole process is so attractive from the female perspective, just in case any men are wondering. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, you, you nailed it. I mean, you're really, you're sending an amazing message, you know, because that is the message. Meaning, you know, because I'll talk to men who you'll see it in their eyes and they want to change and they have all these things that are, that are not going so well. And, you know, you might offer them a sort of solution or a path to solution. And then their rationalization and their conditioning will come over mm -hmm. and it'll take over and they'll convince themselves that there's, no, oh, I can wait. You know, it sounds, I let me think, you know, all this stuff. And yeah, or he'll say, I can do it on my own because I'm a man. It's mostly that. It's whether they want to think about that or not, but that is the main, that is the one driver. And we see it across the board. Men are, I think it's 10 times least active of, of having a primary care provider, like just a doctor. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you want to go more harsher, I mean, the numbers on suicide are much higher for men and all this stuff. I mean, we don't have to go there, but there's this common denominator of men needing to be the tough guy and not seeking support in any way. And yeah, if we can change the narrative, I think we'd have a lot more marriages and a lot more parenting that's solid and is sustainable. Yeah, I think that future generations would benefit because, you know, the better a person is as a whole, the better spouse and partner they're going to be. And then obviously the better parent they're going to be and the better parent you are, the better right. your relationship with your children and the healthier your children are going to be. Yeah. So, yeah. The, so yeah. the, one of the hardest steps is for a man to just actually 
reach out and join a men's group, you know, start working with someone like you. And then I think the second step that's difficult is once they're in that environment, once they gain the courage and the strength and they step outside the comfort zone and they're in that men's group, is then letting their guard down and opening up and participating in the exercises and being vulnerable there. But from what I've seen, and and tell me your perspective, but once a man actually does that, lets his guard down, he actually enjoys himself. He enjoys the process and it actually starts to feel good. And that's really when the the exponential growth occurs, Right. right? Yeah, yeah. Like anything, there's a lot of doors, right? Different doors to get there. But that process of humility being with your shortcomings in the presence of other people or whatever it looks like, I really think is one of the main highways to self-esteem. And strong self-esteem is strong leadership, a healthy person. Again, there are many doors, but I've experienced it that way. Mm -hmm. I think too, being a strong leader does not mean that you're not going to fail. You're not going to mess up. And I'm constantly telling the men that I work with and my couples is, you know, a lot of them are afraid of stepping up and stepping into yeah. that leadership position because they're fr- yeah. afraid of failure. And right. I tell them that failure is not making one bad decision or having one thing happen that doesn't work out the way you think or, or a failure in that right. sense. That's not right. failure. That's just, you know, sometimes life circumstances happening. And from a female perspective, that isn't failure. Let's say a man makes a decision for his family, you know, whatever decision, and it backfires. It doesn't work. The female perspective, that's not failure. Failure is when he cowers and he hides from it and he's ashamed of it and he goes into this deep, dark depression because of right. it. You know, yeah. to, to yeah, me, yeah. success and great leadership is standing up, holding your head high, saying, yeah, you know what? That wasn't the best decision. Or, you know, at worst, yeah, that was a really terrible decision. I really screwed up. But true leadership is saying, okay, you know, but he has the humility to say, all right, I screwed up. I did this or I said this. It wasn't right. It backfired. It was the wrong decision. But true leadership is saying, okay, how can I learn from that? How can I grow from that? There is a silver lining. There is a benefit somewhere. Let's find it, concentrate on that, learn from it, and move on. Yeah, that's beautifully put. (laughs) I love your website. And on your website, I remember, it's been a while since I looked at it, but I remember you had like a, if I remember correctly, a five-step process that you put men through, awareness, what was it, creating space? Yeah, yeah. So there's- Tell us about that. Yeah. I I sort of put out this methodology of the drop, which is synced to the idea of getting out of your head and into your body. So this dropping of of development, if you will, or, or state. And then the process in language- really like, you know, diagnosing your awareness, your emotional awareness, and resetting your relationship to stress specifically. And just, I think your habits in general, in that is opening to feeling finally, like opening your literacy to what's going on and your feeling and like honoring your feelings and like being able to manage that energy in a healthy way. And then practicing that stuff, you know, like with other people, it's just kind of a, that's the brand I went with and it sort of aligns with an acronym <laughs> to, to a process. So that's what it references. And this is what you work with your clients one-on-one or in your men's group or both? Both, both. Those are like the buckets of focus. That's a very methodical process oriented piece, right? Like purpose is more of like a topic that would be, you know, we discover and we, we, we talk about and, and, and we explore, but those pieces are very like, process-oriented. 
diagnosing your awareness and like resetting your relationship to stress and your habits, opening your body to feeling and practicing with others. Well, I think the methodology that you've created, I know it's already taken off. You're global. You're working in many other countries outside of the United States. And I think that this is something that is going to, I foresee this growing and growing and growing and then just being multi-generational. I think this is something that's going to take off and affect many, many generations to come because after studying the methodology that you have put together, not only does it make sense to me and it feels right, but I think there's so much wisdom in it and I see it changing lives. So, you know, kudos to you for, for coming up it. with this and I love it. <laughs> congratulations. Thank you for me on. Yeah, thank you, Jennifer, for having me today. I appreciate it. Yeah, sure. Before we go, tell us about a men's group. What is a men's group? Who is it for? What do you talk about? What is accomplished? Give us all the details. I think when I first started, I was like, this is for everybody. You know, every man should be in <laughs> in a group. And I don't know if it is for everybody. It's definitely for the man who he has seen some sort of maybe proof or enough curiosity that like vulnerability, like there's strength in that. If you go into like executive leadership training and like what companies need, they need innovation and creativity and all of that. And that comes from like humility and like vulnerability. There's no other way because if you try to think that you have it figured out and, and there's no room for growth, there is no innovation. Right. And so personally, it works the same. There's this shortcoming, vulnerability, humility process. And that opens this door to just unlimited opportunity. And that the door is the men's group. That's all it is. That's what it is. It takes different forms. No one is the same because you've got just the cocktail of different people with different experiences and with different ways of leadership, different levels of development. And my job is just facilitate a safe space for that to happen in its own unique way. But it's, it's the man that's like, okay, I, I think there is a door there. What's on the other side of that? Because I want to change. I, I want to change how I show up. And you know, the gift is, is the humility, the leadership through being vulnerable, and all of the surprises that we get then when we develop a little bit. And the surprises are a lot of things. You make more money you get opportunities, you become more trustable and your, you know, your sex life has changed dramatically. You know, All of the things we want <laughs> tend to maybe take form in some way. You know, Cause it might be a year's training and a man really finally, he just feels like he can be present. And that's a big win for a lot of people. You know, and another man might be like, well, yeah, it saved my marriage maybe. And for another man, it might be, well, you know, I'm not letting people walk all over me at work and I'm finally speaking up. You know, these little things, you know, everybody gets their own unique thing out of it. Beautiful. Wow. Travis, I'm going to call you Superman. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. You've given us so much great information today. Thank you. Thank you for, for coming on and blessing all of us with your knowledge and your wisdom. I really appreciate it. How can people learn more from you? To be honest, I'm just a fan of like one-on-one -on -one dialogue, you can find me on Facebook. Or you can find me on LinkedIn and just message me. Most of what I do is one-on-one -on -one work. So it's, it's a call. Or if you're in Austin, I do group training here in Austin. You know, if you're in Europe, there might be some opportunities for if you're near Amsterdam next year, but just ping me directly. You know, I don't do, you know, I really don't do like long email lists where I'm writing a bunch of emails and stuff like that. Like right now, I'm just, I'm keeping it really kind of direct to me and conversation-based. Hmm. Beautiful. You have a website. Tell us what your website is. Yeah, myfirstandlastname.com. So travisrosnos.com. T 
T-R-A-V-I-S-R-O-Z-N-O-S.com. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thanks again, Travis. I really enjoyed having you on. Men's Empowerment Coach, Travis Rosnos. Thank you so, so much for spending time with us today on The Marriage Show. Oh, wow, wow, wow. What a fantastic episode. Thank you, Travis. And thank you to everyone for tuning in to The Marriage Show. Travis and I appreciate the time that you've given us today. If you love this episode as much as we loved making it, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a five-star review. That will allow us to inspire even more people together. And if there's someone in your life that would benefit from this episode and Travis's wisdom, please share it with them today. You can text it, screenshot it, or email the link. Let's change lives together. Let's spread the love. And don't forget to tell me who you would like me to interview on the show. So find me on any of my social media accounts. There's Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I really would love your suggestion. And for everything that Travis and I talked about today, you can check it all out in the show notes found at www.themarriageshow.com. And you can listen to all of my other episodes there as well. Until next time, love one another. 